most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 193 of Keeping Up With The Joneses, where this week we are talking about parenting. We actually record this on Mother's Day, which is perfect timing. It is perfect. Yeah, we had a good Mother's Day. Well, I don't know about good. I... I went to church with you and then promptly left church because, as listeners can probably tell, <laughs> I don't sound ideal. I no. sounded even worse this morning. Jeff sent you home. He did. After watching you sweat in his office for like five minutes, he's like, hmm, maybe you should leave. Yeah, Please I, leave. I've been sick since Wednesday. Yes. And I swear this morning I felt well enough to come in. I, I am not one of those people that pushes through. I'm one of those people no, that hates when my colleagues <laughs> come to work sick. So. Yeah. I, I'm not one of those people that just comes and ah, nah, 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 I'm going to be fine. I I don't do that. So this morning when I woke up, I, I don't know whether I was just on autopilot, but I got up, I had a shower, a shave. I was ready for the day and felt fine until I got in and you two looked at me. <laughs> you and Jeff were like, uh, should you be here? And then I was like, come to think of it, I still don't feel good. And then I'm watching you start sweating. I was like, yeah. You probably need to go home. You've spent all your energy for the day in the first half an hour. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is. I went to the doctor on Wednesday because I thought it might be strep. I woke up with a horrible throat. I mean, a wonderful throat, but very sore. Yeah. And I went to the doctor and they swabbed me and they said it's negative for strep. And then they sent it away for, you know, to a lab to do bacterial Stuff. cultures. Yeah. That all came back negative, so yep. the doctor said, you probably just have a virus, it'll take five to seven days to clear up. Which is why I'm sleeping in the guest room. Which is why you're sleeping in the guest room. But I sleep really well up there, I have to say. It's nice and dark. It's the darkest room in the house. It is, but it's also, isn't it quite noisy? It is because the air conditioning is noisy, but it's no, it's definitely not as noisy as other noises that occur in our easy, bedroom. Easy, <laughs> easy. Anyway, so yeah. Well, so I'm sorry because you were supposed to have a nice Mother's Day, but you ended up having to look after the kids. Making lunch. And making and looking lunch. after the kids. <laughs> but I took you out tonight and we bought you, what did we buy you? Chacos. Now, I don't want to offend because lots of my friends wear these things, but they all look ridiculous. They do. But here's the thing. I love doing things like canoeing. Every time we go canoeing, uh, which is only like once or twice every summer, granted, because of alumni trips and such. Yeah. Um. I put on these $5 shoes from Walmart and they feel horrible and my feet get waterlogged the whole trip. And the whole time I'm thinking, why haven't I gotten better shoes when I do this? And then I thought, actually for gardening, my shoes are getting wrecked gardening and you can just spray off your feet. So I thought, actually, these are probably going to work pretty well for camping, for gardening. Yeah. For you canoeing. I'm not going to mock you because in a year it may be that I have a pair. Well, that's what I was thinking. You never used to like camping. <laughs> and now true. camping expert. Well, I, I wouldn't put it that okay. far. Well, camping enthusiast. Yeah. It's just the, the Chaco is the one that looks like y you are keeping your big toe hostage. I just don't know how they're comfortable. I, well, I don't, I don't mind that, but they don't all have that. There's a lot, that, a lot of the guys ones don't have the hostage big toe. I just don't get it. You... Uh, obviously haven't tried them on because I have to say, having tried a pair on today for the first time ever, they fit your feet perfectly. Wow. It's like a glove. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I got really bright, obnoxious colored ones too. Woo <laughs> you did. I, I tried did. to dissuade you. I was like, babe, what are, what, are you, what are you doing? Are you testing the limits of my love because it's Mother's Day? You actually said you were going to leave me when I was ordering them. That's it. I'm leaving you. I said, that's not funny. It's Mother's Day. So you took it back. Uh, uh, oh, dear. I know. It's funny that we're talking on Berending. <laughs> Maybe we should be talking on marriage. Maybe we should be getting counseling or something. Um, oh, but on the topic of parenting, guess yeah. what's coming up? The Grace Center Daddy Child Camping Trip. Oh, yeah. I did see that. And I thought this is probably the first year where you'd be like, yeah, I'll go for that. I know how to do it. I it, I think it's less about, like when I go camping, it's on my terms in the middle of nowhere with, generally speaking, nobody I know. Right. And the beauty of it is it's a completely introverted experience. Well, sort of, with three children. Yeah, I know, but they're my three children. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'm there yet. Well, here's the thought, though. Mm -hmm. Our massive tent, which is basically like our own mini hotel, Yeah. 
We didn't have that when you went the last time. You were trying to fit three of you in my two-man tent. (laughs) And it was a bit of a disaster. So actually, you have the perfect setup to take all three children well, you're very away enthusiastic. camping so that I can have space to myself. <laughs> Let's maybe talk about it when I'm not run out of energy and okay. see what happens. Okay. Well, um, podcast listeners, um, pray. Okay. Yeah, right. go ahead. Let's do our weekly catch up. Okay. Monday seems like a long, long time ago. It really does. But I spoke at Emily on the book of James. You did. It was great. Yeah. The book of James is amazing. It is. I was just talking about how there's just so much practical wisdom in that book just to live a godly life Mm -hmm. so that's what i did i'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested and then generally speaking the rest of the week was just prep for the source conference and our normal meetings yeah normal meetings i'd probably add into that the building project yeah Uh, tell um, us about the building project so we're building a new children's ministry wing at grace center which is super exciting and so we're sort of putting our money where our mouth is and and making an amazing space for kids. So I'm really excited about it. But the first thing that happens is the adults get new bathrooms so that we can demo the old bathrooms to be part of the children's ministry wing. Right. So they are almost complete. And um, it's Den- been, it's been a labor of love for you, hasn't it? It has. I love it. I, I love it. You're our what? You're our staff liaison to the yeah. building committee? Yeah. So I'm not really doing much. I mean, I get to pick colors and stuff like that. But Dennis and Mari are killing it so good. And But it's just really fun. It's like I feel like every day I go in and it's like Christmas. I get to see what the new thing is that's done. So, Well, I know what I'm getting for you Christmas this year. Some industrial <laughs> bathrooms. Just get me a table saw. Okay. Mommy wants a table saw and some lumber. <laughs> what is... Um, what are the chances that the bathrooms are going to be ready for the source conference? They're supposed to be ready for the source conference. Are we putting money on that? Like, is there a wager? Um, well, I I don't suppose so because that would be not a good thing to do. But but it's looking good. The book of it's Proverbs says good. the law is cast into the lap, but the decision belongs to the Lord. That was my justification for gambling growing up, by the way. You can Excellent. use any scripture to nearly justify any behavior. By the good way. heavens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, but hopefully, yes. Right. Good. Okay. I say that the rest of the week was spent prepping for Source Conference. I got Monday, Tuesday, and half of Wednesday done, and then I was just sick for the rest of the week in bed. Yeah, you were pretty much useless. And then that brings us to Sunday, Mother's Day, which we've covered, and then you spoke at church on our core values. I did, which was super fun. So we've been um, downloading, as it were, or sharing at church what the Lord gave us in January as a team, and so we've been expounding on the mission and the vision statement and the core values. And uh, it was it was super fun to teach on. There's a lot of life in the room. Yeah, you looked really pretty. Oh, thanks. I just watched you from home, of course. Yes, well, thank you for watching. I think you should really study those core values. <laughs> <laughs> We've had lots of people ask us about the keto diet that we're on. Yeah. Did we explain it last week? Or did we just assume everybody knew what it was? Do you know what? I, I don't know. So, the keto diet, as I understand, and... I guarantee there's far more knowledgeable listeners about this than than I know. But my basic understanding of it is normally our energy source as humans is carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. sugars. Mm -hmm. And that's what you burn and that's where you get energy. Yes. When you do the ketogenic diet, you basically substitute carbs as a fuel for your body and you get your fuel from fats or ketones. Yes. And in order to make that switch you need to make sure that carbohydrates are a very small percentage of what you're eating each day. Right. So under 20%. Uh, well, I'm doing like 5%. I'm sorry. I didn't mean percent. Under 20 carbs a day. Okay. Yeah. To- 20 total carbs. So yeah, 5 to 10% at the max of carbs is, right. your, is your diet. Yep. So what that means on any given day is, well, the way we do is we wake up mm-hmm. and for breakfast, we have this... Well, you have coffee. I have hot cocoa Mm -hmm. because I don't like coffee. It's bulletproof coffee. It's growing on me. I don't love it still, but it's okay. But the idea is you you have your coffee, for example, or my hot chocolate. And to your coffee, you add no sugar, but you add two tablespoonfuls of grass-fed organic butter, Mm -hmm. which sounds gross. It does. It's unsalted. Yes, unsalted. And some... MCT oil. Medium chain triglyceride oil. Yeah. And the idea is you're just loading your body up on fat. Yeah. And you drink that, and then you don't eat anything till one o'clock, which sounds torturous, 
But believe it or not, you are not hungry all morning. No, I mean, I preached twice this morning, didn't think about food, didn't feel hungry, felt great. And then around one o'clock, you eat a meal that's mostly fat, some protein. Mm-hmm. And then you can have a snack in the afternoon. Yep. So we've do. made fat bombs, which the winner so far is the chocolate chip cookie dough fat bomb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. This does not sound like a diet. It doesn't. I know. And then for dinner, you eat something the same. And then we stop eating at 6 p.m. and don't eat anything again till 1 p.m. the following day. Yeah. So there's intermittent fasting. There's very little carbs. There's lots of fat. That's my summary of it. But it's healthy fats. It's it's like grass-fed butter and... uh, Avocados. Avocados, fatty meats. Yeah, Yeah. coconut oil, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and our meat are grass-fed and organic. So tell me about it. We've been on it for a week and a half, maybe? Yes. How have you felt? I feel amazing. Just define amazing. I feel I have lots of energy. I feel really clear-headed. I feel less grumpy. Uh, My stomach's not bugging me anymore. So yeah, I feel good. I feel really good. Um, Are we allowed to ask you how much weight you've lost? I've lost 10 pounds. In a Uh, week and a bit? Yeah, a week and a bit. Yeah. And I've lost, what, 12 and a bit pounds. And from my experience, I've done many diets over the years. And I, ironically, can be quite disciplined in short periods of time. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like for the way I normally live, which is, you know, I'm on the seafood diet where I see food and I eat it. This thing is amazing. Yeah. In that... It doesn't feel like hard work. It doesn't feel like you're dieting. No. You get to eat, or at least for me, the problem with paleo is none of the food I want to eat, I can eat on paleo. Right. Whereas pretty much all of the food I want to eat, I can eat on keto. Yeah. And actually the food that I'm not allowed to eat, I don't have any cravings for. So the big thing for me is the sugar roller coaster. Yeah. The high of eating sugar and then the grumpy crash from not eating sugar and then the hunger pains where you want more sugar. Right. That's vanished. Yeah. And I just feel full all day. Yeah. I mean, I feel I have to remind myself to eat because I am full. And even when I feel hungry, it's a different kind of hunger than I was yeah. feeling before. But I don't I mean, I don't really feel hungry after we have dinner, even though we stay up until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I don't feel hungry. No. I don't need any food. So, so I know we're only a week and a half in, yeah. but it is the easiest diet I have ever done. I agree. And I, I too feel sharper. Although you wouldn't think about the way I slow down trying to spool words. Mm-hmm. It, it also I hasn't helped. I too feel sharper. <laughs> it also hasn't helped that I've been sick, which could be the keto flu. Yes. Explain keto flu. That's a real thing. I don't really know if I can explain keto flu. It's just something that your body does in response to making such a big change. I think some of it is detox. Undoubtedly. And then some of it is your body learning to switch over to using ketones. So um, typically it's flu-like symptoms. What about sleep? Aren't you sleeping amazing? I am sleeping amazing. My, My only problem is I've had two nights where I have been mentally wide awake and alert. Which is not the norm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But that could be because I've been sleeping all day because I've been sick and maybe I've just messed up my circadian rhythms and sleep. But anyway, love it so far. Um, I I give it two thumbs up. I'm enthusiastic about it. And if you like guacamole, this is the diet for you. No joke. That's all I'm eating at the moment. Yeah. So... There we go. Hey, also, I met some podcast listeners today as I was coming out of REI. I love when that happens. Yeah, it was really fun. They were lovely. They go to um, Lyndall Cooley's church. Good. Yeah, really cool. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Our main topic for this week is parenting. It is. It's true. Now, if you've joined us this week or if you're new to Keeping Up With The Joneses, there's a danger that we can just assume that you know what our kids are like. But for... For reference, we have three children, two girls and a boy. We have, how old are they now? 11, nearly nine in a couple of weeks, and then a five-year-old. Okay, so our knowledge of parenting caps out at 11 years old. We haven't done puberty, we haven't done teenage years, we haven't done adult children. So yes. we know nothing about that. Yes. The And we're not experts. The only thing we are experts on is raising our three kids. Right. The way we raised our kids. Yeah. And I just thought it would be fun. Well, we were talking earlier 
just thought, what do you want to talk about in the podcast? And we're like, let's let's talk about parenting because we've all been parented. You know, with Mother's Day, you're you're thinking about your mom. Yeah. You, I'm thinking about you as the mom of my kids. So it's kind of like a parenting vibe. Yes. One of the things that, again, this is my preamble and kind of disclaimers mm-hmm. is I don't think, I mean, maybe we're the worst judge of this. I don't think that we've been cavalier in our approach to having kids. And what I mean by that is sometimes I meet people who don't yet have kids and they just eye roll. You know, when we're talking about, oh, or they find out they're pregnant, they just eye roll when people try and talk to them about parenting and they're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And then they have a baby and they're like, oh, good God, I'm not prepared for this. Right. Which, by the way, nobody is. Right. <laughs> but I, I don't think we were ever cavalier and like, oh, this should be easy. No. But at the same time, we didn't go to the other extreme of this is going to be a nightmare. Dreadfully hard and whatnot. Because yeah. for whatever reason, people want to curse you. So, you know, right, forget parenting. Remember when you get married, everyone's like, oh, the first year of marriage is the hardest. Like, how about that as a curse for going into marriage? You may take your monkey back. Thank you so much. The same with parenting. I remember when you were pregnant, everyone was like, well, get your sleep now because you won't have any once the baby comes. And uh, this will be the last lie-in you'll ever have. Or uh, I hope you save up lots of money because they cost a fortune. Or And I don't know whether people are trying to be kind, but we didn't be, I don't think we were cavalier like, oh, that won't happen to us. And neither did we absorb everybody's curses. We just had confidence in God writing a story for us that it would be a good story because he's a good storyteller. Right. That's a great way of putting it. I think that. Yeah. And then also, lots of our friends have just had kids. So we're loving watching them step into being parents and loving watching what happens to, uh, you know, our friends as they as they move from husband and wife to a mom and a dad. And yeah. just, uh, you know, all the changes that it brings. I think it's beautiful. So It is really fun to see people's hearts expand like that. Because I think, I think it's true to say you never realize you could love something so much until you have, you know, that little baby and you're like, right. wow. You know, and then it just, it works like that for everyone that comes after it. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, that's right. Because you think... I've got this one baby. If I have another, how will I have any more love for it? Right. I can't imagine loving anything as much as I love this one. Right. And it's not like you have one love tank that you split in half now that you have two kids. It doesn't work like that. God just gives you more love. All right. Well, my first question to you, AJ Jones, is when you were growing up, were you one of those girls that always wanted to be a mom? I think yes, but I didn't dream about it. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't. I was going to say I didn't pick out baby names and all that kind of stuff. I I had one name, but I felt that that was from the Lord. And other than that... No, I'm talking about when you were a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid? No, not really. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you grew up in a fairly intense environment. Yes. An abusive household. Yes. So you probably weren't thinking, man, I can't wait till I have kids. Nope. Right. So that was just out of your head. And until the Lord began to heal all that trauma. Yes. Then you began to think about it. Yeah. That was much later in life. Yeah, I never, I never thought about having kids, but then I never thought about anything I'm doing. (laughs) Nothing in your current life actually is what you thought you would be doing. Well, what I mean by that is before I owned a house, I never went to Home Depot or Lowe's or B&Q or, you know, whatever your big uh, home renovation store is. Never, ever. Right. So it's not that I, it's not that I didn't care about it. I just didn't think about it. It just wasn't on my landscape. Right. And the same when, before we ever had our first child, I, I never went to Toys R Us or I never went to a baby shop or I had never, re- it just that whole world of strollers and and carts and cribs and cars, it, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't there. Yeah. It's a bit like camping. I didn't yeah. know that REI existed until we went camping. And I was it's like, so oh my sad. gosh, look at all these, <laughs> you know, things. And so I, I never thought about, I remember when we got married and how long were we married before we had our first child? Oh, um, well, let me think about two years. All right. So I remember you coming to me and saying, I think maybe it's time for us to try having a child. Yeah. Which what I heard was let's have more sex. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> but no, I do. I remember you asking, what do you think? Yeah. And I remember just kind of shrugging my shoulders like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm in a gas. Like yeah. I had no strong feelings either way. I was just like, I'm sure this will all work out. Yeah. Well, I was like, Hey, I'm 35. If we want to have more than one kid, we probably we probably need to start doing this thing. There's your little so, planner. Yeah. I I remember when we found out you were pregnant, though. I remember then it got real in my head. 
Yeah. I, I remember actually asking the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, if you could do me a favor, it's not that I don't want a boy. I'm just scared to have a boy. I, I can do girls. That's interesting. Why is that? I think for a couple of reasons. One, I grew up with three sisters, so I was always comfortable with girls. And also my youngest sister, um, Claire, she was born when I was 10 years old. Right. So I remember her and I remember looking after her and I remember babysitting her and I remember changing her. And, you know, I remember and that that seemed easy. But also I I still didn't have a grid on what it meant to be a man, question mark. Like a whole lot of stuff about the masculine role and fathering seemed scary when it was a boy, but seemed easy when it was a girl. That's really cool. Isn't that that odd? But I remember just saying, kind of freaking out a little bit, like, Lord, I'd really love a girl just to practice on. Yeah. I think I have a head start with a girl. Yeah. And uh, and then can I have a boy later? It's kind of funny. We both came into marriage with two names that we wanted to have, didn't we? And I don't think we talked about it beforehand. No, we didn't talk about it until we were trying to get pregnant. I wanted a son called Micah. Yeah, so did I. And I wanted the daughter called Abigail. As did I. So it's really funny because we were like, okay, I guess if we have a daughter, she'll be named Abigail. And if we have a son, he'll be called Micah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tia was a wild card name. Yeah, why did we end up calling her Tia? We couldn't decide on a name for Tia. Um, We were just praying and, you know, with Abigail's name, uh, even with her middle name and everything, I'd had that dream. Yeah. And so we knew what to call her. And we knew we wanted to call her something Carol after Carol, or not. But we just didn't know what was going to go with Carol. And I remember us talking and saying, well, we tried a whole bunch of different names and one day I said something about, well, what about Mia? And we were like, no, that's not it. Right. I quite like Mia. And I remember I did some research at the University of Copenhagen. And the research assistant that I worked with, actually, she wasn't my research assistant. She was a colleague of mine on the the, the project we're working on. Her name was Pia. She was Danish. And I always thought that was a really pretty name, Pia and Mia. And then, did you suggest Tia? I no, you did. I, I we, we had talked about Mia, and we were like, well, you know, Mia, Carol, like at least that sort of kind of goes together, but I don't think that's it. And then you called me, I was at work, and you were home with the kids, you were home with Abby, and you said, what about Tia? And literally it was like something just dropped. I went, that's it. You so, have an amazing memory. I have Tia no Carol. recall of that at all. I just remember being in my office, that's why I remember. I'll take credit for it, though. Great. Tia Carroll. So what was going into parenting like for you then? I think it was super exciting. I think, you know, thankfully I'd gone through an enormous amount of inner healing uh, because I think I was afraid for a long season before I wanted to have kids. But when I would contemplate kids, I would think, man, like, I don't want to put any kids through what I went through. So I don't think I should have them. And you were just worried that you would be that? I don't know. I was worried that out of nowhere, all of a sudden I become angry or, you know, impatient or I don't know. I just thought I didn't, I didn't really see a lot of things done great. And so, um, I just wasn't sure I'd be able to do it. I, you know, I was, I look at moms who's, they're just emulating what their moms did. You know, they have these amazing moms and they're just being amazing moms themselves. And uh, I had to almost research people like, right. You know, I, I remember when Abby was, you know, maybe a year, year and a half old and I would watch other moms and, and how they would interact with their kids. And I would try and do that, you know, because I was like, I, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to, play with stuff on the floor and I don't know, right? you know, so I would look for any healthy mom I could see around me and then I would uh, try and have like a play date with them or whatever. And I'd watch what they did with their kids and then I would try and do that. I love that. Yeah. I, I think one of the, the sweetest things I've ever learned from the inner healing move, John and Paulus uh, Sanford, who are now both with the Lord, they, they were real pioneers in inner healing they made a comment and they said that marriage is designed to kill you as in 
when you get married, God will use your spouse to refine the weaknesses in you. Yes. He'll use the weaknesses in them to refine the weaknesses in you. Yeah. And so marriage really is a process of death. The, mm-hmm. the sooner you understand that, the easier life will get for you. But kids, having kids is the opposite. Kids are designed to bring restoration and healing to your soul. And I saw that in you. Like when, when you had Abigail... Like, before you had Abigail, I'm not saying you weren't feminine. Of course you were feminine, but you weren't girly. No. I mean, I I wore only pretty much primary colors. You were business professional feminine. Yes, black, gray, red. And once you had Abigail, (laughs) that whole side just opened up to you. Yeah. Of nurture and of play and of creativity. Yeah. And of... um, just this beautiful feminine side to you. Like I remember you one day you had your hair as the first time I ever saw you with a clasp in your hair. And one of our friends, Stuart and Lindley, who were good friends of ours in Toronto, they just said, what's AJ doing with her hair? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you had like a little pink clasp. And I was like, ah, your whole feminine side's coming out. I love this. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because it, it felt literally like it was something that was happening from the inside out. So it felt foreign, but it felt okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love, it, it I love that whole process. Yeah. God's a genius with that. Yes. Just thinking back about noticing the changes that happened to you becoming a parent. Did you notice any changes in me as I became a parent? Yeah, I think you've gotten softer. Like you, you've always been physical touch and pretty cuddly and stuff like that. But I think cause all three of our kids are, like super cuddlers, you know, right. they just want to lie on top of you. They want to cuddle you. Um, I think that side of you I've seen come out a lot more where you're just really super cuddly. Do you ever do the thing where you remember what you most loved about being parented and then you do it to your kids? I I don't really remember much of my childhood, <laughs> so no. <laughs> But you do. That's why I study other people. <laughs> I'm still doing it. I'm just studying people with older kids now to try and get tips for going forward. But I mean, a lot of your Christmas um, desires, the things you make me do at Christmas, is because <laughs> that elicits probably a few of the happy memories you had as a child. Uh, I think, no, I don't think so. I think most of the Christmas stuff that we do is because we... We didn't do that stuff. Oh, really? And so, I misread that. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. No, no, no. It's fine. I I'll just, just bring up trauma. No, it's good. I mean, the only thing I remember at Christmas was sitting on my dad's lap and looking at the uh, Sears toy catalog. Right. Um, but other than that, uh, most of what we do is actually from things that I've heard from other people. And I thought that's what I want my kids Christmas to be like but pajamas on Christmas Eve that wasn't your family's tradition it was stolen they're all stolen ideas that I thought I love that idea I want my kids to have that so basically everybody around you is a walking Pinterest board yes yeah I see that (laughs) we are blessed to live in a community with exceptional parents yeah I mean there's so many amazing healed up people that you know do things really well now you know I'm observing you but yeah that you can learn from um, it's great I think that's a trick, though. I think somehow by osmosis, we think we're either good husbands or good fathers. And if we're not, then I guess we didn't get the gene. But the truth is, you can design your marriage and design your family pretty much any way you want to, really, yeah. can't you? You, yeah. you look and you think, I'd like to be more like that, or I'd like to start doing that. Yeah. Like, we started doing family days and, and dates. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, at the start of this year, we sat down as a family and said, well, what do we want our core values to be as a family? Right. I've never, I mean, the, none of, this is all new stuff, you know, like, right. that's completely foreign to my childhood. But we just watch and, and then steal and then implement. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. I, I love it. Also, the thing I've learned, this is going to sound terrible, is that kids are way more resilient than I'd ever thought. Oh, yeah. Super resilient. I think having learned all this stuff about inner healing, at the back of your head, you're like, oh, good God, I'm going to mess up my children. Yeah. But I think, and this is where I want to be cautious, because our kids haven't turned out yet, but I think in the times that we've been humble and owned our stuff in front of our kids, they've been very gracious and forgiving. 
Yeah. And that's built enormous trust. I forget what it was. The other the other day, it was Friday. Was it Friday? Or it was Thursday or Friday. I'm as sick as a dog. First thing in the morning, we're trying to get the kids on the school bus. And I get them out. And the bus is about to come. And one of them runs back in because they've forgotten something. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, raising my voice like, why are you back in here? You're going to miss the bus. Come on. You know, you, you don't even need that. And I, I didn't, it was a silly hat and I didn't realize it was silly hat day or something like that at school. Right. So I just thought they were just, you know, uh, I just thought that they were being foolish, that they were risking missing the bus for something of no great consequence. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I do that. And, you know, they run the house and they get on the bus and everything's fine. Well, at night while I'm putting them to bed, this, the child in, in, in question I've completely forgotten about this event, by the way. This is now like five, six, seven, eight, nine hours later. Right. I'm lying in bed. I'm saying goodnight to them. And they say, Daddy, why was it such a big deal that when I came back in the house, you raised your voice at me? And I was like, first of all, I said this. I said, first of all, I love how good you are at peacekeeping. Mm-hmm. I love that you haven't just let that slide, that you've come back in and said, hey, can we talk about this? I'm like, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm honest... Daddy was just, it wasn't the best version of daddy. Right. I was tired. tired not feeling good. Hadn't slept well. I had four hours of sleep. Yeah. I, fe- I felt sick. I was really stressed that you're going to miss the bus. I didn't understand that what you needed was important. And I actually shouldn't have treated you that way. And would you forgive me? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to understand like what the problem was. And I'm like, I love, because I can never remember, I can't even imagine doing that in the environment I grew up in. Not even having the wherewithal that no. I had a voice to be able to say, hey, can you help me understand? Me either. Yeah. And I think that's partly because we've been quick to apologize. It'd be good to have our kids in here to see what they think about this, but they're all asleep. <laughs> it's true. But I think, I remember Derek Prince saying, I wouldn't have the ministry I had if I, he was talking about one incident with his, I think, 15 or 16 year old daughter where he was, he was wrong and he went and apologized to her. And I think like later in life, the Lord said, you wouldn't have the ministry you have if you hadn't humbled yourself in front of your daughter that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if we're humble, kids are way more resilient than we give them credit for. For sure. For sure. What do you think have been the big challenges? Uh, the big challenges. I was going to say the big challenge is that it's not a nine to five job. It's a 24 seven, but. Right. Actually, the grace is there 24-7. Yep, that's true. The big challenges are, it's a bit like when you get married, you have a new appreciation for how selfish you are. Yes. Like before you were married, you have <laughs> no clue how selfish you are. Yeah. Because your time is yours to spend as you wish and your money is yours to spend as you wish. And yeah. Th- there's nobody else with an opinion, so there's no contrast to make. And then when you get married, you're like, oh, I just want my own way all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> wow. And so then you like, wow, I didn't realize I was that selfish. My yeah. gosh. And so then you work through that and then you think you're good and you're fair. And then you have a baby. And then you have kids <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I don't get to spend my time the way I want to. And and it's not even a soft launch into that because no. infants, I mean, newborns, you know. They don't uh, rationalize. No, they don't rationalize. And, and, and in many ways, it is all about them for that season. Absolutely. And, you know, you may want to sleep or you may want to do whatever, but that really doesn't matter right now. But that's why their heads smell so good. Yeah. It's like catnip for so, new parents. So you don't eat them. No, you just smell their heads and you're like, okay, take me to your leader. I'll do anything. <laughs> uh, challenges. Yeah. I think you have a new appreciation for how selfish you are. You're, I think you're tireder because your enthusiasm is always up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like my mom, and we did a podcast with my mom about, about parenting. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. My mom was an amazing mother and her philosophy, which she got from her mother was, you just love your kids really, really well. You you never let I love you be a guessing game. Right. You never let them question whether they're loved. So yeah. you just attack them with affection all the time. So my mum was high words of affirmation. My mum was high physical touch. Um, and so, and high quality time. So that's what I think. That's been my philosophy. I'm just trying to, I, I tell my, I think to the point where they're just like, we know, I just tell my kids all the time. I love you. 
you're amazing. You're my favorite. Every room is better when you walk into it. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're talented. Daddy loves you. Oh, I just everything you do is amazing. I'll never stop loving you. I'm just like, that's my... Co- and I don't feel like I'm like mentally have to do that. That just naturally comes, I think, probably because of what my mum put inside of me. Yeah. And then also cuddles. Like, I just... I'm trying to... And I don't know if this is going to backfire and be creepy, but I'm trying to get them to kind of sign contracts that when they're in their teenage years and their early 20s and their late 20s, that they're still going to want cuddles. (laughs) Okay, you're having those legally written up, are you? I am, yeah. I'm having my attorney (laughs) just make that happen because it's it's some of the favorite moments. But although it is my favorite moments, like every morning... Our kids come down at seven o'clock and they wake us up. They yeah. come down, all they three all get of them, bed. climb into bed, and yeah. we all cuddle. Now, seven o'clock in the morning is not the best time for me to do anything. Yeah. I'm barely awake. Right. And I have to remind myself, this is a cherished moment. I won't have it forever. This is amazing. Yeah. But Take it as long as I can get it. We've put that in them, and so now they have a craving for it. So, yeah. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a challenge. No, that's more, what would you say that's is a more of a joy. I think the challenge is being an introvert and really in the moments when you know, actually, I would be a better version of me if I could have some time on my own, but I can't. Right. And so I now have to be that better version of me, even though I can't have the time that would make me feel full. Does that make sense? It does. And you saying that makes me realize that the biggest challenge of parenting is that I'm not always the best version of myself. Yeah. And that makes me sad. Yeah. So I'm not always as kind or as compassionate or as softly spoken as I'd like to be. Same. I'm, I'm not always available for my kids as much as I would like to be. Like, the other, you know, the, I love that all my kids love playing Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch in our house, like, MJ saying, would you come play Donkey Kong with me, is the equivalent of a kid saying, Dad, would you come and shoot hoops with me? Or would you come and play, you know, soccer or football with me? I'm just thankful that they're not into that because the, that would be a labor of love. <laughs> will you come play soccer with me? What's soccer? Would you come shoot hoops? We don't have a hoop. I have to explain to you, Daddy has no hand-eye coordination, so I'm not sure how this is going to happen. But, but you must have because you can play video games. Yeah, that's different, I'm sure. Okay. But even having said that, like video games is something I love to do. Yeah. But it's not always enjoyable playing video games with a five-year-old. Right. Because yeah, you but I have to remind myself yeah. this is amazing for him. Yeah. He is he is loving every moment of this, even if it's not joy for me. So that's I think that's hard. You're not always your best version of yourself. Yeah, I agree. What about um, biggest joys? I mean, I think you already touched on one of them. I love how cuddly our kids are, um, and I love watching them respond to God. Mm-hmm. That all three of them have a relationship with the Lord and clearly hear from him and are just kids before the Lord. They're not sophisticated. They're not whatever, but they see stuff and they hear stuff and it's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah. I love, I love watching them manifest values that are important to me. Yeah. So I love, I love, I've always loved this about Tia. Tia is so stinking discerning. Yeah, she is. And I'm sure I should have socialized her out with this particular thing. But if she doesn't trust somebody, she will not go near them and she will not hide it. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, I'm not going to train you out with that because yeah. that's a valuable life skill. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in the South, you're supposed to just be polite, you know. Um, yeah, but don't if, get me wrong. She's polite. but if, She's polite. If she but, sees somebody she doesn't trust or if somebody tries to curry favor and they want something, I mean, she can spot an agenda 50 paces and we'll just shut down. She's having none of it. And I, I'm like, you know what? I love that. I love watching Abigail grow into her prophetic words. Like all of them had prophetic words before they were born. Mm-hmm. And I love watching them move into those prophetic words in, in, in very early stages. Yeah. And we've been cautious not to try and push them into things, but at the same time, not to talk them out with them. Yeah. So Abigail, like there's a, a huge thing on her for negotiation. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, can get frustrating because... It sure can at times, But yes. at the same time, that's one of the words over her life, that she's going to be a skilled peacekeeper and bringing peace and it's going to be through negotiation. So trying to foster that in her. 
But I love, I love they're at the stage where they want to be teachable. And that, that makes me very happy. Yeah. And they're all at such different stages right now that it's really fun to just celebrate each one where they're at. Mm. Like Abby is this, you know, she's preteen and she's, you know, for her birthday, she wanted to get clothes and, you know, makeup and things like that as opposed to toys. And um, so she's just sort of switching into this different creature, but it's quite right. fun to watch, isn't it? And Tia is still like, you know, she's little lo- girl. Yeah, she's looking at Abby going, what do you want to get clothes for? They'll buy us clothes. I want toys, you know, right. um, which is just so cute. Then MJ's just all boy, isn't he? He wants M- to wrestle. And MJ's to- all boy and yeah. is wanting constant affirmation for everything he does, which I love. Yeah. I I think that is amazing that he is not hiding his desire for affirmation, not trying to manipulate it. He just straight up asks, do you like my glasses? He, any, any man, he'll he'll just say, hey, do you like my shorts? Yeah. Hey, what do you think of my hat? Hey, are my sunglasses cool? And I'm like, oh, son, I love that. You yeah. just, you go be you. I think that's that's amazing. Yeah. And he's learned to whistle and snap. Well, sort of whistle. He but hasn't learned to whistle. He's, he's learned making to scream a noise. in high pitch. He's making a noise while sticking his fingers in his mouth to pretend he's whistling. But he has learned to snap. And so he likes to show people that too. I have a question for you. Yeah. What? One thing are you glad you now know that you wish you had known before? What one thing am I glad I now know? I think that God will give you the wisdom for everything that you need. Right. You know, I, again, I felt like I was coming into parenting handicapped and, uh, you know, that I was going to be either dreadful at it or just, constantly behind the eight ball Mm. and you know the holy spirit is such a good trainer that in the moments when we really don't know what to do and there's nobody else to look at or follow you know he's great at saying hey this is what's going on or hey go and do this or hey go and apologize Mm -hmm. or just go and connect you know whatever so i think i didn't realize how much god wants to be a part of our parenting journey right yeah i think for me it's a that discipline isn't always punishment. Yeah. That sometimes as a parent, you want to be soft because you don't want to discipline. But, you know, if the Bible's taught us anything, that that's folly. Like, I remember Chip Judd, who's one of our heroes, he just said, you know, when you don't follow through on discipline, you, you're you teaching your kid a terrible, terrible lesson. Yeah, you're teaching them to ignore you. And so, like, tonight, we're, we're out for dinner to celebrate you, and we're at one of our favorite restaurants, and MJ's got ants in his pants. Like, he's sitting to my right. He will not eat his food. He's, like, squirming around on the chair. He's off his chair. He's, you know, climbing on. He's sideways. He's pushing his chair back, and he's not eating his food. And so I just said, honey, I've, I've asked you twice now. I need you to sit on that chair. If, if you stop eating or you play on that chair, you're going to stand for the rest of the night. So he's like, okay. Well, 30 seconds later, you know, he's off his chair. So I said, hey, babe, could you just push your chair to the side? He's like, why? I was like, oh, you've lost your chair. So now you just get to eat standing up. And in that, like, there's no shame. There's no, like, you're bad. Well, you know, I'm not shaming him. I'm not ridiculing him. I'm just letting a consequence fall out. And so he just stands. And now he's standing next to me and he's eating his plate. And so I just put my hand up his shirt and I just, like, rub his back, just stroke his back like I do. And I'm just keeping my love on, I'm keeping affectionate. I'm not saying I'm not saying you're punished because you're bad. I'm saying, oh, this is a consequence of your choice. Right. And I love, I absolutely love separating like this punitive heart from an action of discipline. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful lesson. And I wish I'd learned that way, way earlier. But letting the kids feel the consequences of their actions without needing to hold it over their head. Like, the, you know, the other thing, our, our girls often go to school and they don't take responsibility for the room, so they don't check that, you know, their beds are made, that the lights are off or all that sort of stuff. And they just right. get on the bus and then uh, typically I go through the rooms and, I'm you know, after a while I'm like, why am I picking up after my kids? They're, they can get themselves dressed. They can... Yeah, they're old enough now. They can turn off all their lights and mm-hmm. their closet light and their bathroom light. And So I just said, hey guys, a new rule, for every light that you leave on, you lose an hour of your iPad or your iPhone. So they're like, oh, okay. And so the first day they left like five lights on. So I was like, when they came in, they were like, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey guys, uh, you'll get your iPhones in two and a half hours. And they're like, well, why? I was like, well, between the two of you, you left five of your lights on. So 
That's two and a half hour each. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember. And I'm not I'm not lording over them. I'm like, aha, see, I knew you. You'll never let, you know, I'm not trying to speak word yeah. curses. I'm just letting the consequence follow their actions. And within about like three days, what do you know? They're, they're, turning, they're turning off, off their, their lights. lights. Yeah. But that's a trick. I think because I was raised and I don't think my, I don't, I don't know if my parents meant to do this or not, but it felt like my parents were waiting for me to trip up to point out, aha, you tripped up. Aha. See, now is your punishment. Mm-hmm. And the kid already knows they're being punished. I don't think you need to make a song and dance about it. So yeah. separating consequence from punishment as a tool of discipline is really powerful. Uh, I was just thinking when you were telling that story, I was thinking about, you know how I said I used to watch people and then sort of learn from them about how to play. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I never really was good at playing or I don't have any memories of playing as a child. Um, but I had this memory of when we first uh, came to Grace Center and Abby was at that stage where she wanted to pretend that she was talking on the phone to you all the time. Yeah, that's a fun stage. And so, you know, you'd hold something up to your face and she'd hold something up to her face and, you know, or she'd hand you the phone and you had to pretend you were having a conversation. And I, I honestly, I mean, it sounds funny. I just didn't know how to do it, you know, so I would be like, Hello? yep, here's Abigail, and I'd hand it back, you know? And then she'd hand it back, and I'd be like, hello? Wrong okay, number. Okay, <laughs> see you later, you know? like. And then one day, she did the same thing. She handed it to Jeff. And I remember Jeff having this whole, like, really animated conversation, like, what? It's where? Well, that's amazing. And he went through this whole thing, and I'm watching him in absolute awe, thinking it never occurred to me, like, to use any storytelling skills to use any, like I just thought this is just a thing where we hand something back and forth. And she was, she loved it. Like she giggled and she thought it was amazing. And I was like, Oh, okay. So that's what you do. And I guess my thought was, you know, if, if you find yourself in the place where you're like, you know, I don't, I don't really, I haven't retained very, very many memories of my childhood. um, Or maybe they weren't great memories or you feel like, Gosh, I don't know how skilled I'm going to be at this. Right. God, God is a healer, first of all, you know, and when we ask him to step into our world and step into our midst, he brings healing in all kinds of areas, but also he can train us, you know, he can reteach us, reparent us so that we're actually able to be the kind of parents we want to be. Yeah, that's so true, babe. I mean, we're, we're not coming up with a list or anything, but no. another thing that I've learned to do is, is kind of the flip side of what you're saying is not to compare because comparison just leads to I'm the worst parent alive. Right. Right. But to be able to be in a community with amazing parents, like I think about Jonathan and Tiffany Zayas. Yeah. Like I follow them on Instagram and when I see them doing stuff with their boys, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like you're parenting geniuses. And then I I usually implement some sort of half-hearted, nowhere near as good a version. But if I allow myself to think, man, I suck as a parent because I haven't done this, I allow myself to be inspired, but somehow I've learned not to criticize myself in the moment. Yeah. So yeah, comparison is is never going to produce good fruit. Inspiration will, though. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge. When you see something on Instagram... And you see it like to go, wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to try that with my kids, right? Uh, which I often do both yeah. with, with uh, Tiffany and Jonathan and, and others, you know, just yeah. like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, a lot of my stolen ideas are from those things, you know, but yeah, it's, it's also the challenge of realizing, okay, I, I don't want to enter into comparison. I can just use this as a jumping off point for creativity right. with my kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every parent has hard moments and when none of us Instagram the hard moments, we only nope. Instagram the victories as it were, or the really hilarious flops. Right. So, right. um, I think too, just speaking to your own heart, you know what, you're doing a really good job. Well, I think that's all our thoughts on parenting but for yeah, today. There's your jumbled thought on parenting. <laughs> Wasn't very well organized, yeah. but you know, hopefully that's of some help to somebody. And again, we are by no means experts at all, other than on our own experiences of raising our kids. And let's just say that we're better parents the third time than we are the first time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, poor Abigail. We're like, you need extra <laughs> grace because we practiced on you. Yeah. 
Uh, but then by the time we get to your third, you know, MJ's eating dog food and I, I don't even care. You that know, isn't just like, true. Well, we it don't kind have of dog is. food. I'm just thinking about the amount of effort we took to teach Abigail the alphabet versus MJ teaching MJ. To, well, like he'll figure it out. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's what they have school for. Oh, help. I know. Yeah. All right. We have a ton of listeners questions. You guys have been so good at sending them in. But as you can probably hear from my voice. My energy is fading just as my voice is. So we're going to push pause on answering listeners' questions. I'm sorry, you've got so many of them. In fact, some of them were so good, I sought expert counsel on them because I, wow. I didn't feel qualified enough to answer them. Maybe so. next week we should do an all-listeners' question podcast or something. Well, here's the thing. Next week, we're going to be coming out of the Source Conference, so who knows what next week's going to look like. Oh, that's like. true. That's so true. let's not promise anything. We're not promising anything. So wrapping up, speaking of the Source Conference, it is happening this week, and we're so excited. Both of us are actually going to be speaking at the conference. Yeah. Jeff and I are going to be tag-teaming the leadership track, and then, AJ, you're speaking the final night of the conference. You're doing the whole conference session. Yeah. If you are in town visiting for the conference, please come say hi. We'd love to connect. We'd love to say hi. And if you can't make it and you would love to have made it, we won't be live streaming the conference, but after the conference is over, you will be able to get MP3 sessions of all the conference. And if you're, uh, I don't say you're impatient, but if you're really keen, you could pre-register for the conference, even if you're from out of the country, and you'll get all the MP3 sessions free. You don't have to wait for them to be sold after the conference. But we're really, really, well, I had a listener from Alaska say, hey, I've, I've, I bought a ticket so that I can get all of the MP3s at this that's early so bird clever. price. I'm like, you're a genius. Well done. So that's our podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have a question for us, go to ellenandaj.com slash ask. Um, if you haven't done so yet, it would hugely bless us if you would recommend this episode or any of our episodes to your friends and leave us a, a review on iTunes. If you go to ellenandaj.com slash review, that will handily forward you to the place where you leave reviews. That's hugely helpful um, for getting our podcast out um, to other iTunes listeners who might not have heard about us. If you're thinking about applying for the School of Supernatural Life, uh, the applications are still open for just a few more weeks. So just want to remind you about that. They close June 15th. They have to be complete by then with references. And if you're thinking about doing year two, go ahead and start your app. We'd love to get some more time with you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. It'd be great to spend some time with you. And hopefully we'll be here this time next week with a better sounding voice. (laughs) Faith. Life, communication, tacos and video games Paleo donuts and the kindness of God Are things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.